Jesus never said, come in and stay. Jesus always says, go. And that's our command, first and foremost, is to go and make disciples and teach them everything I've taught you. Well, hello. Thanks for joining us for another episode of The Bridge Podcast. And today we're discussing the church and community and how they can live like the early church in the book of Acts, Mark. Mm. Now, that was an interesting time period, and we're going to learn a lot more about it with our special guest, Pastor Linda Tower PV. Linda, hi. Nice to see you. Nice to be here. Now, you're the pastor at Bethesda United Methodist Church in Preston, Maryland, right? That's correct. Okay. How long have you been with the church there? I've been there three years this past July, so a little over three years. But you've been a pastor for quite a while now. Since 2010, I believe. Cool. And the inspiration behind this study, it's called We Are the Church, Let's Act Like It, a study of the Book of Acts. Where was the inspiration behind this book? Well, I was serving as the associate pastor at Christ United Methodist Church in Salisbury at the time. And I was on a staff of pastors, so I had a little more time to write. And my main responsibility at that church was for adult discipleship. And so every year we would do a church-wide study, at least once a year, but always in the fall. And so we would try to get all of our small groups on the same study, and we would also, the preaching pastors, whoever was preaching, would develop a preaching series that would tie in with the study. So Mm -hmm. the entire church was doing the same thing in worship and in discipleship. Wow. So it was really, really... uh, a wonderful synergy that really was created cohesive, from that. right? Mm-hmm. So for the whole time, the six or seven weeks, however long it lasted, everybody was talking about and focused on the same thing. Everybody was studying the same thing. Interesting. And it was just really, it's very energizing for well, the church. I cannot wait to hear some of the outcomes of that initial study, and then and then to hear more about not only the Book of Acts, but how we can put that into practice in today's church. But first, I wanted to tell you, we are actually sponsored by Boardwalk Plaza Hotel and Victoria's Restaurant in Rehoboth. It's a beautiful restaurant, a wonderful hotel, and you don't have to travel far to get away from it all. We can just step to the beach right across the boardwalk from the hotel, and um, and then you're miles away from worry. It's, it's a wonderful place to be. That's right. It's right on the ocean, so you don't have to look at your job. That's right. <laughs> Leave everything behind you. you. Focus on the ocean. (laughs) We were down at the beach uh, a couple of weeks ago with my daughter, and there were actually uh, dolphins, like a pod of dolphins. Oh, wow. Just diving, you know, up and down out of the water, just moving along the shore there uh, near Rehoboth. It was really, really cool. Beautiful place. Well, if you're interested in visiting, then go see them online at boardwalkplaza.com. Now, Linda, um, this Bible study is it's short. It's only like seven weeks long, which is enough for anybody to tackle or any church to take on. One of the things that we like to focus here on the bridge as a radio station is connecting and strengthening not only um, people to one another and to God, but also we like to see people build up the church and have the church in turn build up their community. Um, it's, it's really beneficial when you have, like you had your whole church pouring together into this study and then turning around and being the hands and feet in Christ in their community. So you you point out in the Bible study that the book of Acts was a look at the early church. Can you give us a little background or just a real quick uh, idea of what the church looked like for those first early believers? Well, it was a really exciting time in the history of the church. 
Um, the, one of the things that I love about the Book of Acts is just the excitement. It's palpable as you're turning the pages. I, I tell people, if you don't read anything else in the Bible, you think it's boring, read the Book of Acts because it's not boring. It's mm. a page turner. You just want to see what happens next. So in the very early pages of Acts, we read about the Holy Spirit coming, Pentecost happens. Mm-hmm. Um, people are out in the streets. People are talking, oh, they must be drunk. They're acting crazy. Right. Um, and then Peter, you know, who's done... He's done good things, but he's done a lot of things like regular people do, turn their backs on Jesus, mm-hmm. uh, you know, all those kinds of things that regular people do, regular Christians do. But then he stands up and he preaches a sermon, and 3,000 people will become Christians that day. Wow. Well, let me tell you, as a preacher, I wish that would happen to right. me someday. <laughs> I think every preacher I know wishes that would happen. But by the end of that story, that beginning story, um, mm-hmm. the church, this new church is already beginning to form. And they're out in the community, and people are are attracted to them because of what they see, this new way of life that they have, where they're meeting together, they're eating together, they're praying together, uh, they're, they're living their lives mm-hmm. together. And in short order, they're also serving their community. Mm-hmm. So in just a couple of chapters into the book of Acts, we read about uh, the disciples taking care of the widows. And there's a conflict develops over this because... They're not being, some widows aren't being cared for the way they think they should. And so the church has this big meeting and says, well, how can we fix this problem? So we have the church from the very beginning about their community and about taking care of the needs in their community. And I think that that's something that we as the church today can't lose. Hmm. And sometimes we do. We get too focused on other things. But from the very beginning, I think our call as the church is to be in service to our community, be mm-hmm. an asset to your community. Right. Not a burden, not a, not a drain. Right. Um, but a place where people can come for help and guidance and growth, right? Sure. So the early church, though, they faced their share of problems. I mean, it wasn't all, um, it wasn't all sunshine and roses, and it wasn't all wonderful and uphill, uh, or it wasn't all downhill from there. It was a lot of uphill battles. It, what were some of the earliest, like maybe a couple of examples of some of the worst problems that they faced as a community of believers? Okay, well, the one that I just mentioned about the widows, there's uh, very much a, an ethnic, well, racial uh, component of this okay. because you have the Greek widows and the Jewish widows, mm-hmm. and the Greek widows feel like they're not being cared for properly because they're not Jewish, and mm. so there's that that conflict because is it was a blend of believers these were people who were traditionally jewish families and following jewish practices for generations and now they've decided to follow christ and they've become christians and then you had gentiles or mm-hmm. people who were not of any religious background necessarily right. or they had a pantheon of religions that they were following right. and they decided right they decided now to become christians and follow christ so it was a a real blend of many backgrounds right so you have that conflict because the Jewish people, as you mentioned, are coming from a place of faith, mm-hmm. uh, of following the God that they believed in and the one true God, and the others are not. They, you know, they may have been worshiping lots of gods. Mm-hmm. So you have these two groups coming into contact with each other, and of course there's going to be problems. And the, the mm-hmm. New Testament is full of those problems. When you read the letters to the churches at Corinthians and um, Galatians, these letters are full of problems, mm-hmm. uh, the, the authors of the letters addressing the problems in the church. So Acts is kind of the beginning of that. We see bits and pieces of that. 
So, um, and of course, there's the problem, not the problem, well, it is a problem of the conflict with the Samaritans when mm-hmm. they go out and come in contact with the Samaritans who they didn't like. Um, but through the gospel, they found out that, well, God loves these Samaritans. You know, God's mm-hmm. calling us to go and see these Samaritans and minister to them and witness to them and bring them into the family of God. Interesting. What a mindset shift. I mean, like, can you see that going on? Well, that's, I mean, I still think. You know, we whether you're watching the news or, or wherever, we we have these these leaders of, of countries or, or politicians or, or people who own companies, and we will kind of demonize these people sometimes. And like my wife is so good at this, she's just like, "Hey, Mark, uh, Jesus died for that person too. You can't you can't mm-hmm. just write them off and and assume that they're never going to know the gospel of Jesus Christ." Yeah, Amen. absolutely. And the book of Acts is full of that, because the most unlikely people come into contact with the gospel through these new believers, and and they see firsthand that no one is beyond the, the love and the grace of Jesus Christ. Awesome. And it, it really is. It's just a, an amazing story. And it's so relevant for us today because of the racial and ethnic conflicts. Mm-hmm. And also, the, there's conflict about a lot of things. There's conflict mm-hmm. about money. There's conflict about possessions. There's conflict about traditions. Mm-hmm. Now, this is a big part of the conflict between the, the Jewish Christians and the Gentile Christians. And this comes to a real head in about the middle of the book of Acts, where the Jewish Christians are saying, well, if you don't do A, mm-hmm. B, C, D like we do, then you can't be part of our church. Mm-hmm. And so this really causes this huge conflict. They have to have this big um, meeting in Jerusalem, and they, they hammer this out. But thank God cooler heads prevailed. And, and they were very prayerful about it, I think. You know, when you read it, they come together, they hear all sides of the story, and then they pray, and they render a decision that here's what's, this is what really comes down to the Christian faith, okay? Right. You don't have to be Jewish. You don't have to follow Jewish traditions. You have to believe in the gospel. Mm-hmm. And so uh, they, they made a reasonable decision. And sometimes I think that some of that reasonableness that we see in the early days of the church, mm-hmm. we've lost that because mm-hmm. we hold too tightly to the traditions that we love. Mm-hmm. You know, I've, I've been in the church through the worship wars. Anybody that's been in the church for any amount of time mm-hmm. has probably <laughs> heard of or experienced yeah. that, you know, the, the battle between traditional worship and contemporary worship. And I've seen it tear churches apart. Mm-hmm. And the thing of it is, if we all can take a step back and realize that music is just part of how we worship. And the kind of music you like might be different than the kind of music I like, but let's assume that God loves any music that praises Him. That's right, And yes. so who am I to say that this is not good music? Just because you don't like it or I don't like right. it? You know, God can use it. Mark plays the drums. Cool. Uh, thanks. It, it <laughs> took me a lot to get over that at first, but I've, I've come to accept his drumming. <laughs> I mean, wor- music is just one form of worship too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I mean, even though it's in the Bible too, I feel like the reason why we do songs and music in church is because it's it, it reaches the most people. Mm. The, the most people can worship God that way and focus on lyrics and scripture while mm-hmm. while singing praises. And unfortunately, we get caught up in genre. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Well, music has a, a, an amazing power, too, power beyond the spoken word. 
So, you know, music elicits an emotional response to us. Mm -hmm. You know, I can say something with words in a sermon, and then if we sing a song about it, it just really helps people Mm -hmm. connect with the message in a whole different way. Mm -hmm. Music is really important. We, We talk about that a lot. Um, like when you think about the, the ABCs, the way you learned that information was by singing it. Mm-hmm. And the same goes for, for scripture. There are a lot of times where I, I don't know what Bible verse to, to latch onto in mm-hmm. a time of, of struggle or, or anything, but, but I have songs, Christian songs That's that, right. that really, I go, oh, you know, there I remember go. those words. Right. They're right. burying that scripture in your heart through lyrics and, and song. I think about that song, We Believe, by the Newsboys. I know you guys play that a lot. How many people in our congregations, younger people that that didn't grow up in the church, know the Apostles' Creed? Exactly. You know, most of us had to memorize that as children as you're coming up through confirmation or whatever, depending Mm -hmm. on your tradition. But a lot of young people don't know that, but they know that song. That's right. Right. Which is basically a sung creed. Yes, yes, yes. In our traditional service, we sing that sometimes, and I remind them. This is a sung Apostles' right. Creed, basically. Right. Yes, it's a little contemporized, but <laughs> it's, it's basically saying the same thing as the Apostles' Creed. It's just another way for us to express our faith. Now, you mentioned earlier that um, when the new believers, this mixture of Jews and Gentiles and uh, people who were helping to form what we now call Christianity were hammering out how they were going to live out their faith, um, that became eventually known as the church. Um, A lot of times when people reference the church in conversation, especially when they're saying, do you go to this church? Do you go to that church? They're talking about the building down the street. You know, do you go to the little, uh, you know, white, you know, white picket fence church? Do you go to the big brick church? Which church do you, do you go to that church that meets in the gym at the school? Which church are you a member of? Um, And we, of course, we have denominational churches. We have, you know, there's lots of ways to use that word church. So I'm interested to hear your thoughts on on who really the church is. Well, yes, buildings are a problem for the church, in my opinion. We spend an awful lot of money on buildings. My church right now is a building that's over 100 years old. And in the three years that I've been there, we've spent lots and lots of money to basically right, keep the renovate, building operational. Keep it up. Mm-hmm. The interesting thing about the church is this. When... The few times in the Bible where it talks about, where it uses that word church, and Jesus said, you know, on this rock I will build my church. Mm -hmm. Well, that was the word um, that the people knew, and it was the word ecclesia. Mm. And ecclesia, they would have understood to be the gathering of the leaders of the community. And this, this, like the elders, you know, Mm -hmm. the elders of the community, the wise men of the community, they would come together and they would solve the problems of the community. Mm-hmm. If there was some sort of an emergency, they would deal with the emergency. If there, Sometimes they settled legal transactions, that kind of stuff. So when Jesus said, on the ecclesia I will mm-hmm. build, or on this rock I will build my ecclesia, they understood their role was to be the leaders in the community and to be a benefit to the community. Mm-hmm. So, And of course, they didn't understand anything about buildings because they didn't have buildings. We didn't have dedicated church buildings till three or four hundred years later. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, as much as I love my church building and I'm glad we have one, I think that it sometimes drags us down too Mm -hmm. because we have this thing that we have to care for that keeps us from, you know, you think about the money we spend for a building Mm -hmm. and all that we could be doing to benefit our community if we weren't having to maintain. 
a hundred year old building widows and those orphans and those people that are in need right mm-hmm. and our building for, is not handicapped accessible you know mm-hmm. it's just all kinds of parts of it are but not the whole thing have you heard the song um, by noah cleveland church with no walls Probably if you sang it, I would right. recognize it. Well, you it. don't want to hear me sing, but <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's one that we do play here. We've had Noah Cleveland to this area a couple of times, and it's a wonderful song that just focuses on that idea of um, getting out of the building, going out and, and being this living church of right. people. You know, we always say doing life together, you know, and I think that's a mm-hmm. funny phrase, but um, but but really it's that picture, if, if you picture these people in the Old Testament uh, garb, you know, walking around their town square or their marketplace, and they see one another, and they know each other by their love. They know each other through the faith and through the meetings at their homes. There's the church right there. They just met in the middle of the marketplace. They went about their business. They knew someone in need. They bought some extra goods, and they took them to the person who needed it, right? Right. It it just sounds like we've made church too complicated. Mm. Yeah. Simple as that. I agree. I think that we have we get so caught up in doing doing church that we no longer can be the church. Mm-hmm. We spend a lot of effort in the doing. Right. I, I look around my congregation and every church I've been in, we can get so busy doing stuff mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that we forget the simple things like the person out there on the street, walking down the street that needs a ride or needs clothing or needs food or whatever. Um, but we can be, get very busy within our four walls. When Jesus said, go, go out, Jesus never said, come in and stay. Jesus always says, go. And that's our command, first and foremost, is to go and make disciples and teach them everything right. I've taught you. Also so, known as the Great Commission. Also known as. Right. We, uh, at, at my my father-in-law pastors in uh, on Ken Island in Maryland, um, and there, the church, right over the front door, when you're leaving, there's a sign mm. that says, you are now entering the mission field. Oh, that's cool. That's a great reminder as you walk out. I, I at a church in, I think it was a church of the Nazarene in Salisbury that has a sign in the parking lot that says, you are now entering your mission field. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's just so good for us. That should be the last thing we think about when we leave the church every right. Sunday. Uh, I definitely think that we should see our time together as the church as a time to regroup, Mm -hmm. to get excited, to get fired up about what we're going to do during the week, and then go out during the week and live our lives as Christians so that people see what they saw in Acts. You know, Mm -hmm. there's something about these people that we want to know more about and that people would actually ask us, well, what is is the reason for the hope you have? Where do you get that joy? Where's the joy? Right. Right. And uh, that's what I wish that more of us... I know we can't do this all the time, but mm-hmm. I think if Christians could live that on a daily basis, we would all be a lot better off. And mm-hmm. there would be a lot more people saying to us, I want to be a Christian. Mm-hmm. Tell me. Tell me about Jesus. I want what you've got. One of the interesting concepts I ran into when I was uh, reading through your Bible study was this idea of the difference between an inward-focused church and an outward-focused church. I had never really thought of it in that term. I th- I've thought of churches that I've been a member of or churches that I've seen um, in action being maybe stifled or um, stagnant or maybe just following tra- tradition, uh, procedure, whatever you might want to call it. They're not Maybe they're not active in their community. And then I've seen other churches that are very, very active, um, but they, you know, they seem to lack some cohesiveness or 
connection with one another, right, mm-hmm. as a family. Right. So they're very, very, very active, but they don't have a family connection. So when I stumbled across this idea of inward-focused, outward-focused churches, I was eager to ask you more about that. Where did you come up with that concept? What did you see, and, and can you explain it a little bit further? Okay, well, it's very clear in the book of Acts uh, when, well, I keep coming back to that example of the widows, but I think that really exemplifies it best for where we are today as a church. Sometimes we get too busy with taking care of ourselves. So uh, we come together, we worship, we talk about, you know, we ask for prayer for Aunt Sally and whoever else needs it. Right. When We need to do those things, and we need to care for each other. And certainly when we come together on Sundays, that's all part of that. But if, we, if that's all we do, then we're missing our mission, you know, because our mission is out there. Mm-hmm. And churches can become too inward-focused where all they're doing is taking care of the saved. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. We, we, we aren't just about the saved. We're about the people out there that need to be saved, that need to know the message. Um, I think that we, there has to be a balance, of course. I know sometimes in churches that, that are all about serving in the community that sometimes people do feel sort of disconnected. Mm-hmm. They come to church and they leave and they go do whatever, but they never really have that sense of this is my church family uh, because people are just not, they're not focusing on that. And, and it is a hard balance because just about everybody that I know has some sense of I want to make a difference in the world. And other people have that sense of, this is my church, and I love these people, and I want to take care of them. And most of us naturally tend to lean one way or the Mm. other. So maintaining that balance or finding that balance for each individual Individual. person Mm -hmm. is important. And if you're naturally a person who likes the the fellowship of the church, then you're going to have to be intentional about going, what what is God calling me to do? How can I use my love for this fellowship that we've Mm -hmm. created to reach out to the people that are not here yet. And if you're one of those ones who's all about being out there, right. then how can you develop your skills and your gifts to, to bring people in and yeah, mm-hmm. have that deep, more deeper personal connection? Excellent. So have you seen, um, in, in going through the study that you've put together with your church, have you seen some outcomes that you can reference that, you know, wow, well, this person had a change or this uh, church that we went through the study with had a change, or they found that kind of um, happy medium? Yeah, I think for the most part, most churches that I know about or have been part of uh, have a more tendency to be a little more inward focused. That mm-hmm. seems to be the natural mm-hmm. posture for us as Christian churchgoers. So getting people out, I think, has been one of the real benefits of the study for people because there's a very strong sense of you need to get out there and you need to be the hands and feet of Jesus in the community. When we did this at Christ Church, all the groups, we were a very strong uh, small group church. So all the groups, as they were doing this, they were encouraged from the very beginning to be thinking about what they can do in the community as a group. And for a lot of people, it feels safer, more comfortable if you're going out to serve for the first time, to go out and do it together. Mm-hmm. So you, mm-hmm. you go with this group of people that you know, and you find a way to serve. And there's limitless ways to serve. There really are. <laughs> Don't we know it? I've heard of uh, some some church small groups, they'll, they'll meet for three weeks, and then on the fourth week, they'll do a community thing. So like mm-hmm. every, you know, once a month, we'll go do, uh, we'll serve at a, a soup kitchen 
instead of having our Bible study that week. Oh, that's a neat idea. Yeah. yeah. A neat way to kind of work it into your routine. Right, right. Yep. That's cool. It is. We did that in Salisbury, at my church in Salisbury. Some, the women's group that I was in, we had multiple different kinds of serving things that we like to do. Mm-hmm. We, we went to nursing homes and visited. We did um, different kinds of um, making things for cancer kits. Oh, Our group yep. did mm-hmm. cancer kits. You, you know, it's just amazing. Hmm. The number of people that go through the hospital Mm. and the cancer center in Salisbury. Mm -hmm. And so they would put these kits together. They called them cancer kits Mm -hmm. and have a bottle of water and like a puzzle book. If you happen to show up for chemo that day with Mm -hmm. nothing to do and maybe not realize you're going to be there for five or six hours. Mm -hmm. So they would get this kit and it had all kinds of things that would help them pass the time and a little devotional, you know, something about Jesus loves you, and we're here for you, and you know we're praying for you. So um, that was another way that to serve. There's just all kinds of things. It doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are. Mm-hmm. And the cancer kits, that was a project of some of the older ladies in the church. And I know some people say, well, we're too old, we're too young, we're whatever. There's always something you can do. Right. No matter what age, where you are, there's always something you can do. Mm-hmm. It's a lot like other other hobbies or interests. If you have a interest in a thing and it brings you joy, it sparks you joy, or if it draws you closer to Christ, there's going to be other people in the community who also have an interest in that thing. And it can be a bridge between you and them, you know, even if they don't know the Lord yet or if they don't attend a church yet, um, but you're there to serve them and you meet them on that common ground. You can, you know, come to them and say, like like at a library event, right? right? You don't know the backgrounds of people at a library, you know, but you're both there for a poetry reading. And so you're all interested in poetry, and you're discussing it, and maybe your poem introduces them to Christ in some way and strikes up a conversation. But anyway, and there's other, you know, more tangible service projects as well. Linda, I feel like the people who are inward-focused might not realize that they are inward-focused. Like, we we don't ever become Christians because we want to form a bubble around ourselves and be isolated. Um, what would you say to someone who might not realize that they're inward focused, like to inspire them to, to, to go be the church, to act like it? I think the important thing is to remember the mission that we've been given, the, the commission that mm-hmm. Jesus gives us, of course, but every church has some sort of a mission statement. In the United mm-hmm. Methodist Church, the mission statement of the United Methodist Church is to make disciples of all nations for the transformation of the world. Mm-hmm. So the making disciples part is kind of the inward focus part where, you know, we do Bible study, we teach, mm-hmm. we preach. Um, but there's a purpose of that for that. It's not just for the end product. It's not for your own personal transformation. Mm-hmm. It's for the transformation of the world. Mm-hmm. So for the people who might not realize, uh, you know, I think sometimes it's faulty I hate to say faulty teaching, but maybe not enough emphasis on the mission. Hmm. You know, the reason that there is a church is because God has a mission and God Mm -hmm. chose to do his mission through the church. God invented the church for that purpose. And Jesus said, what's the mission? Go and make disciples and teach them everything I've taught you and know that I'll be with you until the very end of the age. So, like I said earlier, Jesus never says, come on in here and sit here for the rest of your life. (laughs) He says, go. More than once. But I now I'm struck suddenly because I think about we go out, <laughs> we're in the community, we're doing these things that we think are great, we're serving, but then off to the side, <laughs> I see this group of people who are heckling, pointing, and judging, and they're telling me 
I know who you were before you got involved with the church. I know your real backstory, and I know all about you. So I'm not buying it. You're a complete hypocrite. You might put on this polish, and you look good, and now you say you're churchy, but I know who you really are. So where do we go with <laughs> the people who are watching? How do we how do we then, you know, deal with maybe judgment or um, the, the thoughts of the people who are observing us trying to act out our faith? That's a good question. Um, I feel some of that pain. Um, I became a Christian as an adult. You know, I haven't been a Christian my whole life. I've been, I was, went to Sunday school and did all that as a child, but I guess I was just sort of going through the motions. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I was an adult that i came to know Jesus. Mm -hmm. And it was a totally transformational thing for me. And it is for anybody, I think. When you, mm -hmm. when you really, when you come face to face with Jesus Christ, it can't help but change your life. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. And when people know us from before and after, it is sometimes they're like, what's happened to you? You know, and it's not always that they think it's good. Right. <laughs> and and when, when you're an adult, you have a lot of people from that before right. mm -hmm. time that go, what happened to you? I think family is really hard in that regard. You know, yeah. it's like, I knew you as a kid. I know what you did, you mm -hmm. know. And so uh, that's a particular challenge. But I think that the, what we have to do is we need to do the best we can to live out our faith in whatever little ways we can. We're all sinners. We all make mistakes. We're all going to mess up. And the person in the next office is going to say, I thought you were a Christian. Christians don't act like that. Mm -hmm. You're a hypocrite. Well, that was my reason for not being in church for a long time. Mm. I told my husband, I'm not going to church. It's full of hypocrites. And it is. Right. You know, that's just the truth. <laughs> we, I mean, to be a hypocrite is to say one thing and live a different way. Mm -hmm. Well, none of us are perfect. So we're doing that all the time. You know, that's, that's unfortunate, but that's who we are as human beings. We're not perfect. But I think if we just live as transparently as we can, mm. if somebody says, well, I thought you were a Christian. I didn't think a Christian would do that. If somebody said that to me, that would make me go, I didn't really need to think about that. Because mm. if, if I'm showing people something that, they, that is not a good witness for Jesus Christ, mm -hmm. I need to think about that. Absolutely. And I really need to go, well, thank you for telling me that. Let me think about that. Maybe Jesus is speaking to me through you. Mm. But certainly there's skeptical people out there, and all we can do is live the best we can as, as believers and followers of Jesus Christ. And hopefully with our authenticity mm -hmm. and our willingness to say, you know, you're right. I, I shouldn't be acting like that. I shouldn't think that about my neighbor. I shouldn't have talked to her like that. Then, you know, hopefully that'll make them think. Well, Absolutely. you might be a hypocrite, but at least you're humble about it and you realize you're willing mm -hmm. to say, I, I probably need to rethink that. Yeah. yeah. I've also over time, I've learned that it's important to earn the right to tell your story. Yeah. And, you know, being in the community, acting in service, um, showing up for people when they, ex everyone else has let them down and you keep showing up and you keep serving them. Um, eventually, you've earned the right when they ask, what makes you do this? Where does this joy come from, like you right. said before? Right. And why are you compelled to continue helping me? And yeah. I keep rejecting you and pushing you away, but you keep showing up. Yeah. <laughs> now, that's different, Mark, when you have um, a restraining order. That's <laughs> much different, <laughs> much different thing talking about there. But when you do act out your faith, when you live it on a regular basis, and, you, and you're consistent with it, and you're willing, I guess, you know, to, to change if someone says, you know, that doesn't reflect very well, you're actually right. being a bit of a hypocrite. So when, when you do live out your faith well, 
you get the opportunity to share your faith with other people, to answer that question, why are you doing this? What compels you? And who told you to come here to help me? And that, hopefully, is a time where you can introduce them to Christ, right? Sure. I think you do have to to earn that right. Mm -hmm. And we talk a lot about relationship in the church and having relationships with people outside of the church, because it's in the context of that relationship that you earn that right to speak, Mm -hmm. to share your faith. You know, if you're just, like, pushing it in people's faces all the time, they don't, you know, that's not a good way to reach people for Jesus. No. Uh, Jesus mm-hmm. was very relational. You know, you read through the Gospels, and he's always engaging in conversation with people, strangers, people on the fringes, people yeah. that nobody else wanted to talk to. And Jesus is our model. He's our example. And so I think we need to follow that example, build those relationships with people who maybe wouldn't be the people we would necessarily choose, but those are the people that Jesus chooses, just like us. You know, Mm -hmm. we were those people, too. Excellent. That's good. Well, Linda, I am so appreciative that you were able to join us today. This has been an awesome conversation on the Book of Acts, and I loved looking through your Bible study. This is well-written, and it's, it's a good introduction. And where can people pick this up? You can get it at any of the usual online retailers. Amazon has it. Christian Book has it. It's published by Upper Room, so you can get it there. And also, if your church wanted to do it as a churchwide thing, there's also sermon starters on Upper Room so that you could make an actual... Um, sermon study out of the whole thing. Yes, thank you. So you could coordinate worship with your small group studies. And okay. it really is tremendous energy and excitement when you do that in a church. So everybody's on the same thing. So there's sermon starters there to help with that. Great. Well, we'll link to that book in the show notes. And listen, be sure to download the Bridge Mobile app to get the latest podcast episodes. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend, share it with your pastor, and provide feedback. Suggest other show topics when you email us, podcast at 887thebridge.com. You can get complete show notes, a link to the Bible study by Linda Peavy, when you visit our website, 887thebridge.com. <laughs>